Welcome to Life's Tea Time. I'm your host, Sam Schupenecker. In this podcast, I'm chatting with the people I meet on the journey competing in amateur golf. Today, I'm joined by my old friend, Jillian Fricola. Jill and I met in the ice hockey rink and played against each other in golf during high school. Jill went on to play Division I golf at the University of Richmond and turned pro shortly after graduating. In this episode, Jill and I reminisce about the early ice hockey and golf days. We chat about the highs and lows of playing college and professional golf and what it's like retiring from your first profession in your 20s and figuring out what comes after professional golf. I hope you enjoy. super excited to have Jillian Fricola on the podcast today. We've known each other since we were, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. Yeah, decades at this point. Yeah, we we played on the same hockey team. We haven't spoken in quite a while. We did have a phone conversation a few months ago, but before that, we hadn't really spoken that much since high school. Yeah, I'm excited to be here too. Yeah, we started back back in the old uh, hockey rinks. That's where we met, playing some youth hockey and traveling around New York and Canada and everything. And yeah, just happy to catch up with you. Yeah, that leads me to my first question for you. I'm wondering how you got started playing ice hockey and golf. When, how old were you when you started playing and who influenced you to play those sports? So for hockey, it was, I have an older brother and him and he and his friends um, started playing hockey. And I just always wanted to be like him and do what he did. And so I told my parents, I was like, I want to play hockey too. Can I play? And I think they were just kind of looking around at like the mid-state hockey, um, all of those youth teams and everything, and just saw if they would let a girl join. And I think I was probably like seven or eight-ish just a little a little tiny kid on skates. I hadn't really ever skated before. My parents didn't play. It was just my brother started playing with his friends and, and I wanted to do it too. So yeah, it was probably pretty young like that. And then playing golf, my parents played golf a lot and they always tried to get me into it, but I didn't like it. I really didn't like it because I was used to playing hockey. I played soccer. I played lacrosse. I played basketball. I played all of these other sports that were team sports and kind of like physical and a lot of contact. And so I just really wasn't interested in golf at all. I remember my parents would try to take me out and I would just get so frustrated with it. And so I just, I didn't really take it up and play it consistently and like actually want to go play it until like eighth or ninth grade. Yeah, I remember because when we played hockey together, you weren't playing golf yet. And I played golf from the, I actually started playing golf before I started playing hockey. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. But I, I started playing hockey too because my brother played hockey. And I was actually annoyed that while he was playing hockey, like I would have to go to the rink and sit and watch him practice. And I finally decided I want to be out there instead. <laughs> Did you start off playing for the Syracuse Stars, an all-girls all team, or did you play on a boys team before that? 
No, I played on boys teams. It was just like um, at the fairgrounds, the rink there, the mid-state hockey, just those youth rec, not rec, but just those um, local teams. Um, and that's where I started. And then, yeah, I I think my dad's told me this story that, you know, I don't know if Coach Ham was just in the rink and like saw me. I think I was probably the only girl out of, you know, I don't know, 30 or 40 little kids. And he was like, Hey, we're going to start a girl's team. It's probably like 10 or so, 10 or 11. Hey, we're going to start a girl's team. Like, does your daughter want to play? And of course I wanted to play with girls. Like it wasn't always fun being the only girl with all of these boys. And so that's, I started with all boys and then, then moved to playing on the girls teams. Nice. Yeah. I had the same experience. I remember you being, and this was true on the golf course too. I just remember you being like a really, you were a defenseman, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're just a really calm defenseman. (laughs) And I feel like you were a really calm golfer too. Does that resonate with you at all? Do you feel that way? And where do you think that came from? Um, Yeah, I think for hockey, it's kind of harder because that was earlier and I I didn't play it as long as I played golf, but like calm on the golf course. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were times where there was a bit of some anger and some frustration that got let out. Some, not, not my best moments, but I I learned to kind of like control the frustration and kind of channel it. uh, Not necessarily in like, throwing clubs or anything, but kind of like coming back and and trying to make a birdie on the next shot or the next hole. But yeah, I don't, I think I've just always kind of been a calm person. And so that just kind of channeled into my sports career as well. I've had to learn that. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely, especially in golf, it's, it's really hard in golf because you know, sometimes if you play hockey or soccer or something, if you're a little frustrated, you can get a little pushy or kind of like do a little bit of, you know, a little nudging on the boards or whatnot to get a little bit of it out, but can't do that in golf. And so you've got to figure out the best way for you to kind of move past it. Mm-hmm. When did you stop playing hockey? I think it was probably like my last season was like eighth or ninth great so it kind of around when I took up golf is when I kind of left hockey yeah I I remember it was kind of like around that time when most of the other players were growing like had their growth spurts and kind of got bigger and I didn't I hadn't grown yet and so I was still like shorter and skinnier and really everyone else got a lot bigger and faster and I was like I don't know if I could like take going into the boards with some of these girls that are some a lot bigger than me now. And so I was kind of like over, over that part of it and interested in kind of like pursuing golf. Cause that's kind of like, was like a newer thing for me and trying to, to see where I could go with golf. Cause I kind of knew there were more opportunities for college in the golf world than in the hockey world. That's kind of why I, I stopped hockey and got more into golf. <laughs> I laugh because I knew that too, but I totally (laughs) ignored it. (laughs) Sorry, parents. I always remember, I don't know if you felt the same way. With me and you, I feel like whenever, I mean, when we played against each other, I'm sure you wanted to beat me and I wanted to beat you. But every time we played together, we just had so much fun. Like, I feel like there was this underlying 
camaraderie or team team mate. Maybe it was left over from hockey. Did you ever feel the same way? Yeah, no, it's definitely like because we had spent so much time since we were, you know, 10 and then we're in high school playing against each other in some matches or, or other tournaments. Definitely a little bit more drive to win just because we have like that history and um, a little bit of we're both competitive. But we had such a good friendship from before that it's like, how can you not have a good time playing yeah. golf together? I want to switch to college. Can you tell me what the like recruiting experience for uh, golf in college was like? Because I feel like it's completely different from hockey because in hockey, you kind of have these camps and tournaments where all the coaches come watch everyone. And as long as you're like at those things that the coaches are kind of paying attention to you. But I don't know. Golf seems a bit different because I don't think people are coming to watch you many times. They do. Coaches go to certain tournaments. So there's like the AJGA tour, which is kind of like the elite tour for junior golf. There's a few other ones. There's like a hurricane tour that is Florida based. Um, There's like a future collegiate tour. So there's a few tours that happen during the summertime that Um, You can travel to the different tournaments and coaches will go to the tournaments. And if there's a recruit that they're really like looking at, they'll try to like follow them for a few holes and just kind of see. It's definitely not as easy as going to a camp where everyone's like on the ice at the same time and you can get a look at everybody. That's how kind of recruiting in golf happens. But I wasn't super sought after just because like I had started golfing beginning of high school I'm not, wasn't one of those like young kids growing up in Florida that plays golf all the time and is like super high up on the recruit list. So like I did a ton of outreach to coaches and it was just like finding who the coach was on the team website. And this was way before like social media or anything like that. So I would had like, call like a swing video made. So like they took my swing from a bunch of different angles and like, it made like a little DVD of that and would send it out to coaches and so much easier now you can just make an Instagram account or something and put your, your stuff on there. Um, but I did that a lot of, and wrote like typed up a letter and, and mailed off the little package to a bunch of coaches. But I kind of came down to two programs that I was like interested in going to because it was a mix of good academics and decent golf. And then I ended up going to the university of Richmond in Virginia. How many coaches do you think you emailed? Do you know? like email probably like 50 just like anyone who anyone who would listen to me yeah just trying to get your name out there and see if there's any interest but it's kind of like a lot of other sports there's people that commit when they're really young and early to to the top programs and so if you don't know early on that you want to go to a certain school or play a sport a specific sport then it's um it's tougher Mm mm-hmm so you played for Richmond all four years and any highlights from your college experience? I just thought it was so fun to have teammates that we got to travel with to tournaments. So we were in Richmond and most of our tournaments were driving distance. And so we would drive in our van to tournaments and it was either like a couple hours away or four or six hours away. And those are the highlight times that I look back on is just five or six of us in a van, just like hanging out and talking and getting to know each other and, 
and everything that's kind of like a non-performance based highlight but just like spending that time together with your teammates I think is is really fun and one thing that I think student athletes have when you go into school is you kind of have like a built-in family um you don't have to have that awkward like oh I'm gonna go to school and I don't know anybody because like you're the only person from your high school that goes to whatever school it is but like I never felt like that going in because I knew I was gonna have my teammates were gonna be (laughs) they were gonna be my friends just because of how much time we spent together but for like performance highlights let's see I tied for first in a tournament which was really exciting but then I lost in the playoff which wasn't very kind of like left a bad taste but I, I was happy that I tied for first. I don't know, just getting to travel around and play all these golf courses. Like that's fun and cool. And all these places that I never would have gone before because I played golf. It was just really fun. Was there any city or golf course that was your favorite? Yeah, we went to Charleston, South Carolina. And so like the city was just fun. We got to explore a lot because we went, it'd be like for three or four days you would go. And so we got to walk around and kind of explore Charleston. And then the course there, it's called Yeaman's Hall Country Club. It's a really cool course, really old, but that was just a fun course. And uh, I had one of my best collegiate rounds on that course. So I think that's kind of why I have a bias as well. Yeah, that always helps for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the one thing I liked traveling for golf Versus hockey. One is we got to go to warmer places. Yeah, yeah. And more interesting places. But two, I I did like the smaller team in a way. I mean, I like the big the big team, but I also appreciated yeah. the bus of five or six people. Yeah, cool. yeah. For golf, you don't go to Minnesota in the winter, right? <laughs> or northern Maine or anything. No, yeah. No. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, did you play pretty much the full school year or was there a break for you guys? We played like from, so the championship season for golf is the spring. So we would come in and start practice late August, whenever classes started. And then we would have tournaments through probably like the end of October, mid to late October. Um, and then we have a break kind of like November, December, winter break time period. And then I think practices could like officially start. It was like early February for for the season. And then we'd play February through end of April. So pretty much the whole school school year. And like the the months that we didn't have anything, it was winter anyway. So it wasn't missing out. We weren't missing out on too much. It didn't snow much in Richmond, but... It's a little cold. When did you make the decision to play professional golf? And I guess, how did you make that decision? Did anyone help you make that decision? Or did you already always know that's what you wanted to do? I think I had always had the dream of being a professional athlete. Like growing up, it was kind of like whatever sport I was playing at the time. I was like, "That's gonna, I'm going to play professionally. So when I was young and really into hockey, I mean, remember on the walls, I had the USA Women's National Team poster on the walls and would watch the Winter Olympics all the time. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to play professional hockey. But then you grow up and you're like, oh, there's no professional really leagues for women to play in. So I kind of got to pivot a little bit and find another sport. And then I got really into golf and 
I was kind of like, oh, well, they actually have an established tour, the LPGA, like there's actually a chance to play this professionally. So I think it was always in the back of my mind as like aspirational, like what I would want to do. Like if you could choose whatever you want to do, I would choose that. It was probably like probably junior year in college, the time where you're deciding what do I want to do when I graduate? You're like trying to navigate. Back then in school, most people didn't have internships. Only a few people would really have internships over the summer to get work experience. And so it wasn't like it is now where it's like you're constantly doing an internship or something to figure out what you want to do. So I was kind of getting to that time of junior year, like trying to see what do I want to do after school? I studied math and econ. What what does life after school is with a math and econ degree? What does that look like? And I kind of talked with my parents and I was like, I really want to try to do this. What do you guys think if I tried to do it after school? Because some parents are not supportive. Luckily, my parents were very supportive. And so that was kind of just my focus in school was figuring out what the qualifying process is to to get onto the professional tours and like what do you need to do to get there? And so that was halfway through college. I kind of figured out like, okay, I want to do this. I'm going to put a ton of energy and focus on it and see what happens. Like it's not like, definitely not guarantee um, that anything could happen. What does putting that energy and effort look like when you're a junior in college? Like what were the things that you were doing? Well, I was trying to play in as many tournaments as I could, both on my team, um, just to get a, as much experience as I could. And, um, but that was also like over spring break, trying to go and play in tournaments that uh, weren't necessarily school sanctioned. If they had some kind of like amateur tour, amateur tournaments or anything, trying to do that or like spring break, going to Florida and practicing instead of you know, going on a typical spring break over the summertime, just playing in a ton of tournaments, whatever I could get into. Like I said, not having an internship to figure out what I wanted to do, but just playing and practicing. And of course, still get good grades at the same time. What do you have to do to be a pro to get started out? I have no idea. So officially to become a professional golfer, it's not very exciting. You just have to declare yourself as a professional. So like, like you could uh, enter a tournament um, that's open to pros and amateurs. And if you just on the registration form, check professional, then you're a professional. That's kind of, that's how it is. It's not um, some exciting thing where you get drafted by a team or sign a contract with anyone. It's just you declaring yourself a professional, but you have to get status to play on professional level tours. And so that looks like, at least on the women's side, it's a little bit different from the men's side and they've changed it a bit recently, but it's going to qualifying school, which is basically a series of tournaments. And then they take a certain percentage of the field or of the entrance and you can move on to the next round. And then people who are currently pros that have certain statuses, like also go into that second round. And then the the top people from that second round get to go to a third round. Um, and also like uh, the people who were on the LPGA that lost their cards, go back into that third round. And so it's, it's just a series of tournaments that 
Um, it's over like a few months. It's like a five round tournament, four or five rounds in the summertime. And then you have to wait until the fall to get the next four or five round tournament. And then the final one, I think, is in December. So it's kind of a, a drawn out process if you go from the very beginning stage all the way through the final stage. And then depending on on where you finish and what status you have, you can either like play on the LPGA, you can have conditional status on the LPGA, you can play on the formerly Symmetra, now I think it's Epson tour. And then if you don't make any of those tours, then there's um, some other mini tours that you know anyone can play on. There's one in Phoenix called the Cactus Tour, one in Orlando, Florida. It's gone through a few name iterations. Eglin's Best, I think, is the sponsor of that one now. But yeah, so there, there's a lot of different options uh, if you don't make it up all the way to the LPGA. So after college, where were you living? What tournaments were you playing in? How much were you practicing? <laughs> I moved to Florida after I graduated. I graduated from Richmond and then drove down to Florida. I didn't even go back to New York. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm over over New York. Um, but I um, I moved down to Florida and started practicing and playing in that um, Orlando tour. But I would practice almost every day, kind of like all day, not all day, but six or seven hours a day practicing. It's tough. And in the summer in Florida, it is hot and very humid. And so it's it's hard to practice all day, especially in the, the heat of the afternoon. But um, it was nice in the wintertime. What did practice look like? Depends what you're good at and what you need to work on. But it's um, working on your swing, hitting the range. If you have anything you want to work on, you know, working on that. Um, a lot of putting and chipping. You need to be very good at putting and chipping to to make it. And then playing. I wish I, when I was practicing, I focused too much on the swing mechanics and having a perfect swing and not enough on just playing and whatever swing that you have is the swing that you have. So figure out how to get it in the hole. That was kind of like my biggest, one of my biggest downfalls, but um, yeah, it's just, it's kind of just being at the golf course all day, practicing different, different things, different shots. You know, if you go out and play and don't hit really good sand shots, then when you finish, you go and you practice out of the bunker. What was the hardest part about playing on the pro tour? The, the hardest part is that there's way more defeats than there are wins, right? Like if you're playing a team sport, you either win or lose. You can tie, but you either win or lose. And most of the time, hopefully, you're having more wins than losses, right? In golf, only one person can win out of a field of 144 people unless you're Tiger Woods, the odds of winning multiple times are low. And, you know, even just winning once is, is a lot and it's an uh, incredible achievement. And so just having to deal with a lot of disappointment, I think is the hardest, the hardest part of it. And it being an individual sport where you don't have teammates to really rely on or like accept the defeats 
with it's all it's all you you either play really well and and do well or you don't it's there's no really anyone else to tap in and say hey my chipping's not good today can you come in and like do all the chipping for me it's not uh not like that how long did you play professional golf for it was probably like five years it's a long time yeah retiring from my first profession at like I think I was 26 or 27 and you know trying to figure out what to do next was was tough but yeah I I tried for five years I I really gave it a, a good shot and it ended up just never working out and had to accept the fact that I wasn't going to make it and yeah it's uh I gave it a good shot and I was very burnt out at the end I didn't want to practice anymore. I was just like so over a lot of it. And so I knew it was time to walk away just because I was so unhappy day to day. And that's, I mean, you're playing golf for a living. It's supposed to be hard, but enjoyable. And I just wasn't even enjoying the golf part of it anymore. Was there anything that helped you through that time or helped you through that decision? No, I just had to like be honest with myself and say like, is there anything else I could do going forward that could change like my outcomes? And I was like, I don't know if there's anything else that I could change or any more effort that I want to put into this. Like I had put so much into it for so long um, that I felt like, you know, if it was some, if it was going to happen, it was going to happen. And like, I just want to move on and, and figure out what's next. What did come next? A long time of just not knowing what I was going to do or figuring out, you know, what was I even good at outside of golf? Because kind of like most of my college career, a lot of high school was just like focusing on golf, golf and school. We're like, it's like, I know I'm really good at these two things, but outside of that, what, what am I good at? What am I interested in? And so just trying to explore different things. I took like an online python coding course and i was like this is kind of interesting but i couldn't do this every day like i i couldn't get into the data science part of things i re- i didn't pick up a golf club for a very long time just because i was like i'm done i i can't i don't want to to look at it or even try to play again so it was probably like 6 months before i did anything with golf again but i was living in tampa at the time And I was like, okay, I need to do something, like figure out what I want to do. I think I could. There was the PGA Tour Valspar event that's just outside Tampa. I could probably get an internship with them. Like, let me just see. Um, Like, I have a good golf history or background in golf. Maybe I could figure out if I want to work on the other side of tournament golf. And so I went on LinkedIn and found out who the tournament director was. And I sent her like a message on LinkedIn. It was like, hey, I'm Jillian. Here's my story. Here's a resume. You know, I'm looking for an internship. Do you have any available? And she wrote me back and was like, yeah, come on in. And we'll like talk about what we have open. And I, I went down to the tournament office and she was like, I'll be honest with you. We only have an operations internship available. Are you interested in that? And I was like, I don't know what any of that is. Sure, I'll do it. <laughs> and so I did that. I think it was the 2017 tournament. I, I worked on the operations team and it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot. I was probably the oldest intern that they had ever had. <laughs> but I, I learned a lot and 
I was kind of like, this is fun, but I don't know if I want to do operations in the long term. But while I was there, there were other interns who were at like University of South Florida or University of Tampa. And the South Florida students were like, hey, we're hosting this um, sports. They had a sports business program at USF. And they were like, we're hosting like a sports analytics conference. You should come like you studied math or whatever. And you, you should come. We can get you a ticket. And so I got a student ticket to this conference. I wasn't a student, but I, I went in and they had a ton of great speakers that were talking about like sponsorship analytics, ticketing analytics, all of these performance analytics, all of these things that I had no idea even existed in the world of sports and was like, oh, this is what I could do. I could do something with this. I studied math. I studied econ. I'm, I'm a numbers person by nature. And um, I've always been an athlete. I love sports. And so how do I make this into a career? I ended up looking up grad schools because I was like, I need to go back to school for this. Looking up grad schools and found the University of Oregon. They have one of the top sports business MBA programs in the country. And so I was like, well, I need to go back to school. I really like this program. Sounds amazing. The people I've talked to on the phone, I flew out there to do like an in-person interview and just check out the school. And when I got there, I was like, I need to go here. If I get in, I need to go here. Uh, Luckily, I got in and then uh, drove from Tampa to Oregon with my dog. We did a cross-country road trip to make it out. She was a trooper. But yeah, that's how I ended up in Oregon and studying. I got my MBA, uh, studied sports business. And that's where I learned all about the business of sports and the business side of it. And so that's what's next. That's terrific. I love, I love the vision of you just like going there, seeing the place and being like, I need to get in there and getting in. That's amazing. Yeah. After I graduated in 2020, which was probably the worst year to graduate, um, especially in the sports world and when all of sports were on hold and nobody knew what was going to happen. And everyone who I was talking to about jobs was really like, <laughs> we're not hiring anybody. We don't even know if we're going to have jobs tomorrow. Um, so that was kind of a, a really hard time to, to graduate into, but through school, uh, everything that I learned, I, I had an internship where I was on like the insights team at a sports marketing agency. So I knew that was kind of the path that I wanted to go down. And so I ended up working for that company for a little bit after in the fall of 2020, I, they hired me on full time, kind of on an insights role. They They mostly work with brands and sponsorship. But then in the summer of last year, you know, I, I moved on to a different agency that was more property focused. And so now I'm working um, with a lot of properties um, on their consumer insights, figuring out who uh, their fans are, who, who their uh, attendees are, and helping them build their sponsorship strategy based on based on that. So you and I talked about you getting your amateur status back and <laughs> us playing in some amateur tournaments together. Do you do you still need a little time or where you, where are you on that? So no progress has been made on the amateur status. I you know, I go I can go out to the range and hit it pretty good um for like picking up a club every 3 months or so. I'm like, "Oh, that's not bad for, you know, not even practicing." 
I don't know. I'm just afraid that I'll get back into the the same circle of what when I was playing professionally. Is, oh, I have to work on this. I have to work on this, and you know, balancing that with a real job and a personal life. I I don't know if I want to go back into that <laughs> vicious cycle uh, with other responsibilities that I have now, and just afraid to like go back and not be happy about playing golf again. Mm. I don't know. Have you found that when since you're you're back on the amateur circuit now and how is it balancing having a job playing golf having a life uh I'm definitely in the middle of it so I would say I'm working through it but in general I have a much healthier relationship with golf these days so I'm only playing golf because it's well I get I'm a liar there after I played in the New York State Am last year, the first day I shot like a, you know, 80 something. And I was, yeah, yeah. I said to my mom, why am I doing this? Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. The next day I shot a 70 something. I was nice. like, oh, okay, when's the next tournament? I need to This is up. why I'm doing this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I can't say that you won't be in that position. All right. Well, thanks, Jill, for doing this. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it was good talking to you. Hey, thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jill. At the end, we touched on an important topic that I like to go into further in later episodes. How do we balance our amateur sport with work and life? especially for those who have dedicated significant time to a sport and are used to going all in. Our amateur sport may bring us joy, be a source of networking and connection, self-expression and discovery. At the same time, there's a tension between wanting to get better and all of our other responsibilities. I don't have the answer, but it's a thread I hope to pull on moving forward. If you feel compelled, reach out to me with your thoughts. Thanks.